Hello and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and pushes one of the most important eras in wrestling history. This episode will be a bit more different and a bit more special than some of our other episodes. Today we are reviewing the July 6th, 1998 Nitro, some very big events at this one, a high for the history of WCW, and since they get to be here with all the lows, they get to be here for the highs. First, Fergus Looney, my co-host, how you doing, Fergus? Good. I hope that you remembered to wear your cummerbund to go along with your tux for this such a special occasion. Oh, of course. I'm in my fancies, for sure. Excellent, excellent. And my other <laughs> co-host can't be forgotten, uh, Connor O'Donnell. How are you doing, Connor? Doing good. Very excited to talk about the crowning achievement for WCW. Fortunately, it's uh, all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, we, we might actually get to compliment some booking from this company for once. Some, uh, um, <laughs> I, no, I will. Watching this episode first for the first time front to back, if you go back, some things make sense here. It, it, yeah. it hurts that if you go back, look things at hindsight of how what happens like a couple months down the road, then it's like, ah, okay. At this point, right after we're, we're, we just came off our WWF episode, King of the Ring, I can kind of see the reasoning for this because the past six months of WCW has just been so lackluster as as you can see from our reviews. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to be blank minded about this, or more so than I usually am. I'm trying to forget what's about to happen in the next couple months to this company, and try to be in the moment. And in the moment, this is uh, exciting stuff, and certainly competition breeding the the best out of the company. There is one moment to this when we get to it. I'll talk about it, but there's a uh, something that encapsulates probably the month around this show for me anyway. I, I think you're absolutely right, Connor. Uh, I, I think uh, stuff like this and moments like this in WCW are created through competition because they're not comfortable anymore. They have to do some things to to move the needle. Um, and some of that going forward is extremely bad and cringy and has stayed meme-worthy for the last X amount of years. But some of that is very good, and we're going to hopefully get to talk about some of that tonight. So we're going to not dive into the Nitros, because this is a Nitro itself, and we usually do that for the bigger pay-per-views. I'm going to go straight into the show. Firstly, I would like to point out that friends don't let friends watch Nitros. I hate you guys. <laughs> the first half of the show is not amazing. It opens with a recap of J.J. Dillon announcement of Goldberg getting his title shot tonight. And he actually does a very good job. We're very critical of J.J. usually, but I think he uh, he makes it sound like you can't miss it, mostly by saying you can't miss it over and over again. But he, he feels excited because uh, him and the announcers and any face and staff on this episode feel like if Goldberg gets in the ring with Hogan, he's going to win. That's not a question. And they're getting one over on Hogan just by booking this match. How do, how do you guys feel about the energy that J.J. sets here? Definitely a good start for Dylan. He feels vindicated. He feels right to give Goldberg the shot because it feels well-deserved. He hasn't lost yet. So yeah, this guy should get it. We get on WCW for starting shows with Thunder recaps, but... <laughs> oh, it is a Thunder, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Thunder it's, recap. It's, Biggest yeah. news uh, in wrestling. Let's do it on Thunder. I, I, I'm going to defend JJ a bit. I know we give him a lot of flack, but for the previous month or so of terrible Nitros, and be thankful, Dave, this is the only one you're watching. <laughs> He does a pretty good job, actually, with the stories he's involved with. Largely, he is involved with Chris Jericho, and perhaps it could be because of Chris, but JJ generally does quite a decent job playing as like a deadpan straight straight man to Chris's absolute wackiness. And we'll see him later on as well. But for this, I think he conveys a good sense of emotion, and they know what they've got, like in and out of storyline. Like it's crazy, the pops and everything behind it. So. I think they've figured it out. They got to pull the trigger on this one. 
more importantly, the common theme of this whole show is this is the Goldberg Nitro. Like I, I we always when we talk in group chats, we we say this is the Goldberg Nitro. Like, but when you actually watch the show, it is the Goldberg Nitro. Yeah. Like they they basically tell the whole story of his career up until this point throughout the show. They show highlights. It's always it's just talking about Goldberg. They give him the Austin treatment or the Poochie treatment. We we like to say <laughs> it feels very much like the Poochie treatment to me. <laughs> they show the announcers the very first thing you see of them. They're all wearing tuxedos and suits and they never wear these for not even for pay-per-views most of the time so yeah they, they do make it sta- stand out they're like this is a big deal and it's in the georgia dome it's in a gigantic arena it's, it's not in anywhere huge oh yeah, yeah. They, they they backed this this guy is a draw already this isn't this isn't like um just hoping that he's the future this guy is literally selling maybe not quite selling out but like packing the georgia dome with their news already that's big for people who thought that, you know, once the ratings uh, started to go under Raw's that WCW weren't done, this is proof otherwise, you know. It's also just weird to see this many people together in one place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with current days. But like in general, even for like wrestling standards, it's weird seeing huge crowds for like a non-WrestleMania or non-Wrestle Kingdom kind of night. This is just a random Nitro. You're getting huge like WrestleMania numbers. This is insane. The crowd is extremely loud as well. The dome looks packed, and you can barely hear Shivani as he introduces the show. Nitro girls warm up the crowd, but the crowd barely pop for them. Who they want is Larry Sabisco, who's on uh, commentary for the first hour as usual, telling us that Goldberg is the peak of human evolution, which <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that means. But. Yeah, the commentators have a couple of zingers today. There's, oh. there's, there's a lot of good moments uh, yeah. up and down. <laughs> One part of the, the staff of WCW that's not on their game, I would say, is the, the production team here. Uh, for, for the most part, the shows are a, a pretty well done show overall, but mm-hmm. did you guys notice that they reuse this panning shot from the top level of the Georgia Dome? Like It's well oh, warranted because like, it's an awesome shot because you get the whole crowd and how big this place is. But do you want to take a guess how many times they use that shot? Because I cracked it. Oh, okay. I noticed twice. It's way more than twice. It's oh got to be like God. eight or nine because it's probably like every break. 21 times. Jesus <gasps> Christ. 21 yeah, that, times. That's how oblivious I am. I only actually noticed it twice. I'm like, oh, didn't they use that before? <laughs> a lot of times they, they don't know what to cut to. So it's a uh, guy, get the camera ready. There's a, there was one time where you could tell the cameraman's like, I wasn't ready. Like, we're running the shot again. It looks good. Run it again. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I really got that one good, didn't I? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I just love stuff like this in production because they have all these shots and I have a bunch of them written down that are just like weird ones they cut to. But they're a wrestling company. They could just ask the guys to wrestle for an additional minute. It's not that tough. Nitro's <laughs> <laughs> not about wrestling. Relax, like let's not get ahead of ourselves. But that, that was just a nitpicky thing. Like for the most part, this show is actually very well produced. I think. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. There's a couple of missed shots, but uh, not nothing uh, apparent. And I still kind of prefer these old styles, watching some of these old shows, to some of the new stuff that uh, a certain company is trying. But we'll get into we can get into that deeper a different day. Ari is of course uh, flanked by uh, Tony and uh, Mike Tanay as usual, but Mike's analysis is cut short by the NBO team music. Hogan is hitting the ring with a uh, Bish, Elizabeth, and the Disciple, which has become his kind of. Uh, Defunct crew. I did, these are the guys that he's out with every week. Yes, that's the group that are always together, and then a couple others. Some guys are just they may as well not be in the in the group anymore. Brian Adams is barely around anymore. I was just about to ask, like, where is Brian Adams? <laughs> he actually does wrestle towards the end of the month. I'm wondering if he might have gone to Japan. That's a topic for 
the pay-per-view stuff. After getting under the crowd's skin, he tells the crowd he has good and bad news. The match at Bash is going through. So this is Hogan and Dennis Rodman, or Rodzilla as they call him, oh, yeah. every second of every day. Is that actually, does he call that in ba- basketball at all no. at the time? Oh. No, of course no. not. It's his, his nickname game. is The Worm, which is also oh, kind of weird. Well, okay, Rodzilla's <laughs> great. <laughs> Against DDP and Carl Malone, the mailman, also one of the worst nicknames I've ever heard for an yes. Mailman's a great one, I thought. <laughs> Uh, well, but the mailman puns like it gets old real fast. Well, they just—they're all about he delivers. But all like when I think of a mailman, I just think of a person walking around in shorts. He's the mailman because his profession requires him to have shorts on. He seemed to fit for me because he just seems incredibly bland and boring. And I'm like, a postman is never <laughs> exciting, so it works. <laughs> and he plays in Utah, nowhere. Sorry, uh, SLC punk reference. Nobody's gonna get that one. <laughs> bad news is that the Goldberg match isn't happening. He says uh, that an NWO black and white member we haven't seen in forever is going to be here to give Goldberg his first loss. And he only fight him when that happens. And while this makes Goldberg, I think, look very cool, spoilers, he does get to fight Hogan and this, it would be a pretty bad Nitro otherwise. Why does Hogan have the power to make this happen? Listen... They make a lot of decisions like this over the, over the Nitros. Just go with it. <laughs> I do think it's good. I, I think it's a really weird... I, I like when a heel does this to go to good guy. He's like, well, you can't even beat my other guy. Why should... You, you can't even beat me then, you know, or whatever. Not to jump too far ahead, but they don't tell you if the US title's on the line until the match. Yeah, you can tell the commentators are fumbling. Uh, I, I guess the US title's online, right? He, yeah, because uh, the, the referee holds, hold, hold it up. Like, oh, that, yeah, he has that title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But maybe you could like maybe Hogan could have been seen as a schemer and go, well, Eric, I, I will fight him. I'll fight him all day, you know. Oh, but Eric has some news. Goldberg has to defend the title before that because he holds a title already, you know. That would have been a nice scummer. Just Hogan going, by the way, you're gonna fight this other lot. <laughs> it's a it's a little weird. Just a weird presentation of what is actually a fine gimmick, I think. Considering how much power Eric supposedly has yeah. much earlier in the Nitro story in the NWO storyline. I couldn't tell you what he does anymore. It's very inconsistent. Yeah. I kind of like it. It's kind of like a bad anime. (laughs) You know, one day he can lift the building. Next time he just gets knocked out by a punch. It's it's great stuff. They do this after this segment. They do this uh, all over the show. I'm not going to try and linger on it because they do a lot of advertisements and plugs all together. We see Nitro fans before the show cutting like promos about how good Goldberg is. And the first guy probably does a better job than most modern wrestlers, in, in fairness to him. But it's all about how Hogan's going down. And unfortunately, because they've made the stipulation that he has to fight someone beforehand and then Hogan, a lot of them say, and you're going to be the 107th loss, where Hogan would be the uh, or 107th victim or whatever. It's uh, Yeah, a couple fans have signs because they don't know this surprise match is going to happen. It's not important. It's just funny. They're, they're almost like, ha, you're wrong, fans. I'm going to take the 108 pin. Get get fucked. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Hogan Pro, I think, is just, it's whatever. It's okay. At least it sets up the night, yeah. yada, yada. But yeah, it's, I actually do kind of like these these fan promos, yeah. or at least this one, because it kind of sets the stage of this kind of theme of WCW is, in theory, turning a page, kind of a new era of WCW, because it ain't Madison Square Garden anymore. This ain't 1985, blah, blah, blah. What I like for once, and this plays into it, and they are, I think, purposely playing into it. This and a couple other segments show that it isn't when, like, when Sting got big and the crowd was 50 50 
you know, NWO good guys. Mm. The crowd is like all about Goldberg. Hundred percent, yeah. Hundred like ninety percent of people in that crowd are Goldberg, and the the rest of them are just edge lords <laughs> looking to, looking to be a bit different. But yeah, the, there's no division. This is the guy to 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 go with. They also do a great job over the show, and I try and point them out when they come up. They bring up all his wins, so the historic landmarks and his wins from his first all the way to uh, the previous pay per view where he beats Conan. Yeah, it's the storytelling we've been uh, asking for t- throughout the whole podcast, and they finally, yeah, they do it. Yeah, so they are capable of it. They just they're just lazy. <laughs> they they're, even, they're even capable of it within the month build up to this. I don't think it's too much to to give away because uh, I think pretty sure Kevin Green is out later in the show. Right, it, originally he's supposed to be in a tag match uh, for the pay per view, which includes him and Kevin Green against the Giant and. Uh, Kurt Hennig, Kurt Hennig, sorry, yeah. All the shows coming up to the pay-per-view, Goldberg wrestles really, really big dudes to show that he can jackhammer them, basically. But, like, it's never said or anything, but you can go, oh, if he can lift Reese, which he does, and it's really impressive, why can't he do it with the Giant? And you're like, oh, they're actually building little bits and pieces to him as they go. I think their the big moment in their head for a while was going to be... Uh you know, a Hogan-Andre moment with the Giant. But then they're like, holy crap, we just need to put the title on him now. <laughs> like, this is insanity. He just needs a title. We don't care what else was going on. There's a lot of filler before the next uh, match, or for the first match. We got a paid NWO merch plug. I, I still like, I know I've said this before, but I still like this, you know, this advertisement has been paid for by the NWO. It's a nice little little touch. doesn't happen all that often, actually. This oh, is the first one in a while. I like that gimmick. When the whole NWO thing started, they they ran this hard for the first like four months, and then it really tapered off. It's really odd. I was kind of hoping there would be ones now for black, uh, the black and white, and uh, and Wolf Red NWO. Yeah, the Wolf makes pack. sense. Yeah, and they're like conflicting infomercials almost. That would have been cool. Has, hasn't been a Wolf Pack one yet, anyway. That's mm, for sure. Well, we'll get. We'll Do those get even exist? I, I don't know, but I'm, yeah. I'm I haven't seen one yet. <laughs> well, you know, Conan has some nice merch somewhere. Oh, Conan has an incredible piece of merch. I don't think it's on this show. He always does. He always uh, does. I, I I would probably buy it. He has a poncho with the NWO logo on it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's ama- it's amazing. <laughs> uh, the next segment is giving away a NASCAR. I guess. And then oh. Gene, make, Gene makes the comment that he's like, "Well, I guess you can't legally drive this on the road, but you will win it." And he just goes on. <laughs> Just pointing out the massive flaw of selling a racing car to an average citizen. <laughs> like, yeah, way to bury it. Yeah, Come I on. guess you'd be arrested if you were uh, if you were driving in this. And then they all make jokes about how they can outspeed the police. I'm like, yeah, mm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, recommend that. It's always hilarious when Bischoff tries to push this uh, WCW. We're we're more real. We're more edgy and cool. It's 1998. We're having this NASCAR stuff here. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I don't like NASCAR stuff. It's fine, but. Just don't try to push me of, we don't have these silly gimmicks here, but I think in like a month or two, we're going to have a wrestler that's like a NASCAR driver. Like, really? We're, we're going with that. And you're not, saying you're the edgy company here. Come not on. Only, not only that, but I think as far as I remember, they actually enter cars into NASCAR races in the next, mm, the next couple something months. Something like that. Just well, yeah, mean, bu- buckle in for that. Nope. WWE did it, so yeah, yeah WWE, they have to do it. I guess well, that's, my, that's my point. Here, though, that Bischoff is like, well, WWF, their their guys are dentists and NASCAR drivers, <laughs> right? I, I I got it, Eric. And cool. one of ours is a Mortal Kombat character. Like, what what do you want? <laughs> Mortal Kombat character, and then we're gonna have uh, Ultimate gonna... Warrior. 
ultimate warrior with his magic smoke come oh, in and can't waste. Yeah, you guys, are, this is gonna be great. Next couple months are just <laughs> a couple minutes into the episode. Our first match is Demaiko versus Booker T. I, this looks great. I was looking forward to this. Yeah, it's it's same same thing with the theme of turning a new page. Hey, first couple of matches, we see some of like the WCW's up and comers. Except it lasts about two minutes, unfortunately. <sighs> yeah, it's Nitro, so yeah, we can't have full matches. <laughs> We're not allowed to have full matches. Both guys try and get their finishes in, uh, but are reversed. They they actually look like they might... I, I'm interested to see. I don't know if these guys fight later, but Dean versus Booker, full match. They, they're doing pretty well. They both spill to the outside after a couple finisher reversals, and we hear someone shouting, hey, cutting over the uh, commentator's mics. It's Chris Jericho being a jerk. Again, all oh, the dastardly Jericho... He's distracting Dean enough that Dean is looking his way as he gets into the ring and Booker just hits a very face-like <laughs> scissors kick to the back of the head to finish the match and retain the TV title. Get used to it. Yeah. How many how many of these matches do we have? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nitro does not have long matches, typically. I don't have many notes on any of these matches and that's mostly because there's not enough time for me to take notes on any of these matches. That was a smooth three minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah, it's weird because growing up, I remember them having long matches that would like cut to commercial break and things like that. And yeah, I, what what seems to happen, Connor, is you get like one of them. Okay. So like you'll get one reasonably long 10 to 15 minute match, which has a break somehow. But other than that, yeah, everything else is just really short, sweet. It's probably just your memory is like you remember like the big matches and they usually are big stuff as well. As long as it's not the main main event, because the main event never goes long. Because the main event is always with three minutes to go. <laughs> and they're like, I'm not even sure they're going to do their, their full ring entrances. It's taking so long. I, I want everyone listening to stop for a second. And I'm going to tell you the longest match on this on this card is the main event with Goldberg. But what non-Goldberg match goes longest? I'll tell you when we get to it. You try and guess the participants of that match. Because they're obviously stars if they're tell, pushing out. Tell us at the Obvi- end. At the end. After stars, the Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obviously stars emerging they need to give them extra minutes but we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that i did, yeah this match was fine this is uh extending the what seems to be never ending Milanko and jericho feud but i like both those men and they're having a good feud so i don't mind it going a bit longer it's all part of the angle jericho continues to be gold i can't remember if it's on this particular one but when he gets chased off by dean he usually yelps uh, uh he into mics yelp. and stuff and it's, it's perfect booker is actually doing really really well at the moment as well and he's got his own plot line going on after this match, we get peak WCW, which is a crowd pan where a short man, let's call him rotund, short rotund man, in a cola tank top is shadow boxing and shouting nonsense. Just going to town. <laughs> <laughs> Manically. I, I, I don't know any other good, good words to describe. Manic is an excellent word for what this man was doing. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> they stayed on him for longer than I uh, care to mention as well. They were lapping it up. Cut to Goldberg now, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, some of our first quick shots of Goldberg doing uh, chair push-ups, like between three chairs. Impressive stuff. I can't even do a normal push-up. There's a, there's a brief glimpse in it where you can kind of see him kind of go, guys, when are you cutting away? Yeah. <laughs> these, these are not easy to do, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, and this is why I bring up this is like the Austin show for Goldberg. This yeah. is a typ- typical type of Austin shot. That WWE At least he's runs. doing something. Do you remember back in peak Attitude Era where it was whoever was in the main event just walking around backstage? Yeah. Lacing up boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. lacing up a boot. Yeah. At least people actually lace up boots. But who just walks around the halls of their place of employment waiting to be called upon? Seems kind of weird. But yeah, we're going to get a lot of these glimpses of Goldberg. And that's fine. I, I like later when Brain is on. Uh, he goes, I hope he's not overtraining. He's got two matches. <laughs> Sprain, don't break it. Don't break the, the kayfabe. Uh, Carl Malone uh, is a talking head for a quick interview saying he's disappointed in Rodzilla for not showing, but he will get him at Bash at the Beach. He says bang a lot because, uh, or now, Carl Malone has turned into a little mini DDP. You say mini. <laughs> He's a lot taller than him. He's taller, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he just, like, mimics all of DDP stuff, which is fair. DDP is very over, and you don't know what to do in front of these cameras, but he kind of just does DDP shit. Well, it makes sense, because the first couple of promos that they show of them, like, there's a press conference between them, and Carl Malone can't talk. Like yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that he's not very good at it. So they've told him like to do a pro- a particular promo, and that's the one thing he can do. And also, this is like the fifth time I I've, I've seen this promo in three weeks. So, <laughs> I also like that Rob Zilla is used as both an insult and a compliment. He's like Rob Zilla, like oh you big monster, just throwing tantrums. The other guy's like, well no, that means he's like Godzilla, which is obviously a compliment. I'd love to be like Godzilla. <laughs> Second match of the night, we have Canyon versus Raven. Uh, Raven is down to the ring with Lodi with a sign saying Raven rules. And he also has music. The network has has his uh, Raven, like his call, call music. Call, call, remember call, that. Call. But it's not that. His music is like some kind of ripoff of Come, uh, Come As You Are, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like another grungy ripoff. Uh, but he has music now. That's news. So does Canyon. Yeah. He didn't have music either. I, like uh, I think it's music. I think it reached peak. No music when they had like it was a flock member and Canyon and somebody and else and nobody had music in the match and it was it was just the worst. So everybody has music now. Yay. They all get something. It thank Christ, like Yeah, it's it was pretty bad. I, I also like all the music in WCOB. I don't know. It's better than nothing, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Suits to rip off grunge characters anyway. Uh, Canyon jumps uh, Boatman straight away and it becomes a brawl immediately. This seems to be a Raven Rules match because Canyon just takes out a chair and then the, the commentator's like, oh, this is because Raven wanted Raven's rules. I'm like, well, no one said it and it wasn't advertised, but okay. Boatman gets thrown onto the chair one way or another before Saturn runs down and takes out everyone. Saturn uh, puts Raven on a table at ring size and tries to splash him through it. Impressive sp- uh, splash. Saturn's so fast, man. But, you know, I end the table and it doesn't break and he just slides off. He just bounces off. It looks pretty uncomfortable for Raven. Uh, that's before Canyon uh, hits him with something in the ring, but the cameras aren't fast enough to catch it. Leaving everyone down, it's just complete carnage. I think you could tell that Saturn was trying to look for a different table. He saw that he table to begin with and then he's like, oh, I, I got to find a different table. Crap, we're live. I got to get this through. Yeah, the second I saw the bottom of the table, it was just a completely normal reinforced table. I'm like, no one's going through this. Botchamania moments are just going through my mind. There's a nice inside thing I've I've noticed from many public enemy matches now. They spray paint the underside of their tables. Jesus. So they know which ones are theirs. So they obviously like pick out the good ones and take them for themselves. <laughs> Absolute geniuses. Perry's been in ECW. He should know this shit, man. That table is never getting broken. 
Yeah, I was about to ask you guys, did you think this was effective or? It certainly made Perry look like a badass until he got like taken down by one move. I, if it builds to like a three-way match or something to blow off the feud, I guess. So if I told you this was like the fourth time this has happened with different assortments of people wrestling. I could get getting very frustrated by this if they don't yeah. end it fast, right? It's it's hard because I know where I know where this goes. The, the crowd's up for Saturn, so I, I'm okay with it. I, I, the table not breaking, it just kind of killed the whole whole thing. Yeah, it, it makes it funny, and it's supposed to not be funny. But yeah, Saturn looked like a badass until after. Like Canyon still looks like he hates everyone, and I'm, I'm a fan of it. But how long can this keep going? Like till fall brawl? <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> till, for it's, a it's, while. It's a while. <laughs> they just seem to be kind of in the middle of nowhere with all of them, and the flock just wrestles loads of people and. People don't like them, and Raven just continually cuts promos on Saturn and Canyon, and nothing ha- nothing changes. Like, <laughs> you know, why this doesn't work? Actually, they fired Stevie Richards ages ago, or he left the company. Obviously, on bad terms with Raven. And feuds like this are meant for people like Stevie or Tommy Dreamer or any of, or might be Mikey Whipwreck. Like ECW got it right in that you can't keep running all these attack angles where all three men want to be the badass. Like they're just trying to out badass each other every time, and it doesn't really work. You need like a bleeding underdog getting absolute trashed until he gets his like final revenge or finally overcomes all these like big guys. I, I think these three guys feuding over and over, and they're just basically three different creator wrestlers with very, with very similar styles. You know, Canyon is particularly bad because he literally gets no promo time, and he just, yeah he just shows up every now and again, and you're like, oh, he's still around, cool. <laughs> So, who, yeah, who are we supposed to be rooting for? Like, attacks are supposed to be so you root for someone. Perry is the one you're supposed to root for. But he's engaging the attacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, like... no, it's I, I agree totally <laughs> yeah. with you, Dave. Like, I, yeah. it's not great, but at the same time, if they just move this thing a little faster. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it would be much better, but they're it's just all in timing because that's limbo. That's, we'll talk about I mean, the reason the Goldberg thing works is because it's the timing. You know, yeah. we can have a discussion of do they wait a month later to do this on a pay-per-view or something like that? Is this moment as good as it can be? I don't know. So sometimes when you have that moment, you have to take it immediately when you have it. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. But if they want something to go this long, there needs to be more defined lines, right? This should have been a quick getting all men away from the flock feud. Instead, it's going to be months. I don't know, because they don't know what else to do with them. Probably is true. Pretty much, the yeah. And now... After this segment, we get who I thought was going to be Goldberg's first opponent, which is very funny. A limo opens up and a wheelchair is brought out. And it's Buff Bagwell for the first time since he horribly effed up his neck. And we get the first appearance on the podcast of Judy, right? This is for yes. Judy's first. We get some We get some Judy Bagwell on the, on the podcast. Hall of Famer Judy Bagwell <laughs> helps her son into the wheelchair and wheels him towards the arena. I genuinely thought this was going to be a swerve where he had to fight fight Goldberg, but no, he's he's legitimately still still uh, still recovering from his injury, and uh, the fans are very happy to see him uh, not not dead. It was very weird off the bat that Buff is just very subdued, it's yeah, just not not his normal self. But because he's such a shit heel, like I expected him to jump up out of the chair and attack a face at some stage. I had my guard up. I'm like, you're not working me, Buff. I know what's happening. I think having Judy there helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But don't you worry, Dave. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he does when he does come back. <laughs> um. Brilliant. More Screaming Fans pre-show out of their mind about Goldberg. Uh, 
I'm I'm cutting down these segments a bit a bit because they just happen so often. Dance break by the Nitro Girls, a Nitro party competition. Haven't seen one of these in a bit. Oh yeah. How many matches have we had? Two? Two. Uh, quote, yeah. quote two matches. It's still a bit before the next one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I liked, again, I think I commented on this the first time these competitions came up. I like that your prize for the Nitro party competition is the girls will come to one of your parties and you get a fr- bunch of free shit and you'll watch Nitro with them. And Mean Gene. And also Mean Gene. But let's be honest, Mean Gene, mean Gene is probably an absolute party animal. Like, you could probably get a lot of lies out of him. Tell he'd probably tell outrageous lies about the wrestling business, and wouldn't that be a lot of fun to listen to? Hey, mean, can you can you hold the mic and can we just go? <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me some some shit about Hogan. Well, this is one night. <laughs> <laughs> After this, we get our first view of what I call eighteen wheeler shit. And I really didn't know what was happening, not coming from any of the previous uh, Nitros. Can you break down a little bit what's happening with the 18-wheeler DDP and Carmelone? Yeah, so for for this pay-per-view run, as you've already seen from the earlier Hogan promo, he's due to wrestle DDP and Carmelone with Dennis Rodman. Now, the entirety of the pay-per-view run of shows... Both basketball guys are basically never on the show. Hogan and DDP are, aren't always on the show. So it's a lot of recapping and it's a lot of promo work. The one time that they do do something, DDP gets on the phone on a thunder, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, because they, they arrive on a nitro. And he's like, I'm going to drive from Utah or wherever with Carl in the 18-wheeler. I don't know. I guess because he said 18-wheeler, they just decided to get a literal 18-wheeler. And so they drive to the show and the very end of the Nitro is Hogan coming out with Eric crowing and insulting them going, ah, you were all, you were lying. Like you weren't going to show up. Cue them arriving into the backstage area. They nearly run over some of the NWO and then they come to the ring and they, they have like the big baby face pop stuff where they send the crowd home happy or whatever. Total bizarre. And who's supposed to own the 18 wheeler? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I saw the bit where DDP said D. He says D eighteen wheeler. Does he mean WCW won't have one on retainer? Does you talk jazz. Let him borrow it. Yeah, the ja- does yeah. the jazz have an eighteen wheeler? Because there's no, there's no like uh, logos or anything on it. It's just this generic red like, one, yeah, metallic red eighteen wheeler truck. So I don't know. I mean, they show lots of clips of them being police escorted throughout the city or whatever on that nitro. It's it's a strange way of building up to it. I'll give you that. It's like the Lex Express, but worse because it has less. Like I get why Lex was in the Lex Express, and I get why Lex owns a less Lex Express or a company would rent him one. Does DDP haul goods when he's off work? He's a man of the people, you know? Yeah, people do love 18 wheelers, so I'm sorry to have yeah. questioned it. <laughs> After the, getting the shots of the 18 wheeler, DDP and Malone come out to the ring for an interview with Mean Gene. Malone is wearing the exact same clothes as DDP with a slightly different shade, which again is hilarious to me. He, he's also acting exactly like him during the entrances and stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. They, they do like the DDP, like where he kind of twirls around and points to the crowd, but. Malone joins them and like they kind of go back to back and do yeah, it. The same yeah, time. I thought that was kind of cool. He was it's, definitely marking out. It was, it was cute. It's pretty cool. It's kind of fun. I, I think it is kind of good though. If like if Malone's like, I don't know how to do this. Like Rodman's kind of his own character, kind of NWO, but Rodman's a character outside of wrestling. 
so it probably comes more natural. Malone probably just went, well, they like DDP. I can be a DDP. Which is, all right, we, we have to get into this a little bit. As a kid, yeah. this was very <laughs> weird to me because being from Chicago and having Malone as the face, I'm like, I don't like Malone. He sucks. <laughs> he wasn't exactly like a... I know he was well-known. He was obviously a very, very good player, but like, he wasn't outspoken or anything, right? No. He's not really like a heel in basketball either, but I wouldn't say he's a good face. Like, he's done some yeah. shitty things in his life, but he's not like a total dickhead. I, I was about so, to ask you, is he like... How big was his name back then? Because the Pretty only big. reason so, I... so to give you the scale of this, I mean, yeah. the '98 Finals was just a month before this, and the Bulls obviously played the Jazz. Yeah, and it's big to the point that even the Last Dance referenced this time. Uh, here, here's my tinfoil hat going on. I'm sure Bischoff made. There's this big moment that Dennis Rodman missed a practice during the finals to be on Nitro, and I'm pretty sure bischoff like told him to do that or i'm sure like robin's like oh i got practice and like oh that's too bad and robin's like i'll eh, i'll just miss it and bischoff's like yeah yeah let's do that let's do that to create this media frenzy of rodman's not paying attention to the finals and all that stuff and you know malone's doing the diamond cutter sign on like during one of the games and they're they, they had a, a couple like scruffles like on the court as well so they were definitely playing this up during the finals so it oh, was wow. it was in the public eye a lot and I think this more than anything else of WCW, this is what caught my eye with WCW because I knew of the video games, but I didn't know about really any angles or anything until this moment, really. I'm sure it's just me being from Chicago, but I don't remember any of the Rodman stuff before this, but this one was such a huge deal. So for all the crap that we give WCW and all the celebrities that we're going to have to unfortunately go through with Jay Leno, all that, all that junk, this one was a huge, huge success i would say yeah that's absolutely fair i only know both these men because of that yeah I, I mean the only reason malone's like not maybe more well known is because jordan won the titles over him if jordan's not around malone probably does have a title win so it's he has a legendary career he is he's one of the best players of all time but a global scale now he's probably not a household name really okay that makes sense that makes sense i mean overall though that that promo what they do is literally what they've been talking about for the last four weeks there's nothing new nothing different i think it's effective uh i also like that ddp puts over goldberg big time he talks about uh mm. making this hogan's worst week of his life because it's heading in this is the go home show for the batch of the beach pay-per-view and he says you know obviously ddp and malone are going to beat him at the pay-per-view and Goldberg is going to take his title tonight. He's like, he's going to go through whatever jabron you put up against him. And then he's going to go through you. Do you think you can stop him? No. And it's like faces putting over faces. This is great. We, we complained about WCW not having any coherency or like they've, they've modeled that as a fight, you know, NWO versus WCW, but there is no team WCW. Maybe there is now DDP Goldberg are pretty great faces that the guys are getting behind. It's refreshing, isn't it? It's yeah. not yeah. Hogan just saying things don't matter and you're you're jabroni. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Actually, I think Hogan literally uses the word jabroni in his promo. <laughs> Multiple times. He calls his own guys jabronis. He's like, uh, Goldberg, all you've done is beat a bunch of jabronis. I mean, he's beaten multiple NWO members. Is The Rock <laughs> using that term by this point? Jabroni? Yeah. Probably. I think he is. It just I, I don't think it's yeah. to the scale of that it's like trademarked yeah, yeah. or anything. Apparently, it's just an old wrestling thing. I always used to think hmm. it came from The Rock, and I looked it up. Apparently, it's just like an old school wrestling thing to mean jobber. Hmm. 
Hmm, okay. Yeah. I mean, Hogan is latching on to whatever works, so like, yeah, he does it in this promo, in the promo earlier, he does the too sweet, right? He does, like, yeah. Remember? Yeah, that's not his. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> it's like the Wolfpack start doing it, and then like a week later, he starts doing it. And you're like, that's clearly a Wolfpack thing, and you're just latching on. Of course. Yeah, I, I don't know who start using it in modern days or on TV. You know, as far as I know, it was just a backstage carny word. And then eventually probably the rock start using it on TV. Oh, no, the this Malone DDP stuff. It's it's OK. It, it was really cool seeing the highlight of Malone body slamming Hogan. The crowd yeah. was really into it. So that they don't really have to do too much with all this stuff. Just uh, when we get to the match. Yeah, we'll talk about that one. They have pops in a bottle here, right? All they have to do is ABC stuff, and DDP's going to hopefully get a bit more over. Hogan's going to get some big paydays, and they're going to keep Rodman involved, which they obviously love. This is boring and repetitive already from the couple clips on this episode, but I think it's doing the job. It's it's this is just a, this is the go home show into the pay per view, so you have to do stuff like this. It's the big reason why this show is very awkward because it's at the same time it feels like it's like the show after WrestleMania or something like that. Like where new stuff, big stuff is happening, but at the same time it is your go home show where you have to your boring promos and your commercial time for your big show. Yeah, but this is your big show though. <laughs> at the, the same time though, this is every week. The after this interview, we uh, have a vignette or talking head i guess more than a vignette uh and it's mongo haven't seen mongo in a little bit in the podcast he talks about how great the bears were and because he was on a winning team like the bears he wanted to be on a winning team like the horsemen and they're both this known really for... weird it, <laughs> it's yeah the what the ditka getting like just sliced in like these uh, obviously ditka did a interview talking about how great mongo mcmichael was and how he had, if he had a team of 40 Mongos, he'd win every time because it was mindset, which isn't true. You can't just have 40 uh, slow lads on the pitch. You need some fast lads as well. I like the idea of the Mongo interview, but the execution isn't amazing. And Steve pleads with Aaron to open the barn, which is obviously a restart to Horsemen, and let the Stallions run run around with uh, the wind in their face. I hate to break the to bring on the running theme. This is also a rerun of a promo. Yeah, you are correct. It is um, with the with the context is that Mongo shows back up maybe two weeks before this, and he has a he has a match, and he comes back. He's talks with Benoit, and then they have a tag match, and they come out to the Horsemen music, and you're like, oh, okay, what's going on? And then there's a there's a backstage interview with Iron, and Iron's like, I can't do it, man. Like, I'm retired. This is like, he's like, I love it. And I'd love to still be a horseman, but my time is over. They're kind of needling away at Iron and being like, we need to bring the horseman back. This is the way it should be kind of thing. Okay. So I, I like the storyline. The way yeah. you explained it sounded great, but the execution here is weird. So yeah. to give a little context, uh, Mike Ditka, he was the coach of the 85 Super Bowl winning Chicago Bears team. So the, the segment felt like it was made for me, but... For the national audience, I don't yeah. think it quite hits home, really. If if you haven't been watching the weekly shows, it would make no sense. It, it'd just be this random putting over Mongo, but Mongo is putting over the Horseman, and nobody has been in the Horseman for months. So you're like, what? That That's a really good explanation of why I think it's a bit off-kilter, because I wanted to like this, because I, I think it, Mongo's actually fine at talking in these segments or whatever. Well, yeah. But, you know, Ditka's a Chicago legend. You know, he did got <laughs> but yeah it is weird that mongo's putting over something else and then someone is intersplicing someone putting over mongo so then it means more that mongo's putting over the horseman because someone's putting over mongo in football 
So it's this kind of weird, yeah, kind of circular. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like you could have you shouldn't splice these together. That as Mongo comes back, you you know you have the Ditka interview showing how great he is, and then you have Mongo doing this. You do it one part at a time, not all in one muddled kind of mess. This situation probably I can boil it down to is they thought, well, we have this footage, so we need to use it, because it's Mike Ditko. We need to use it. Yeah, it's free publicity, right? We finally come to the third match of the night, 44 minutes into the episode. Well, that's 44 minutes without actual breaks, don't forget. Without, Yeah, we're not watching actual breaks. So there has been 5 minutes, 57 seconds of wrestling in this 44 minutes of TV show. But you can reasonably assume that at least... 15 minutes of ads have taken place, at least. Yeah. So, so there's at least an hour has gone by, yeah. How did people watch Nitro, Connor? How did you watch this as a kid? I didn't. That's I was always <laughs> arguing. <laughs> I was always arguing with my brother. I want to watch WWF. Or we, wa- we watch the first hour of Nitro, and then you turn over. Uh, we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years now, and this one almost got me, guys. I almost text, text you guys and go, listen, I'm going to go Rover. I'm just going to talk like I watch the matches, but I'm not going to. This is This is too tough. I tap out. At, at this point, we've done sold out 97, so whatever comes after this, it's like, <laughs> come on, this is just a walk in the park. Uh, now, we've been rewarded, though, because we've had to wait so long for a match. They've obviously reserved a very good match. And <laughs> <laughs> Did they get Chris Benoit for us? Bret Hart? Yeah, but it's, it's probably a Bret Hart match, right? Uh, it's uh, Steve Putski versus Riggs. Uh, Scott. Couldn't even give him his right name. No, Scott. <laughs> yeah. They're both names, Scott, yeah. Yeah. This is... Uh, Time filler. Yeah. That's, that's this my note. What's sad is this is fine. Both these wrestlers are fine. It's a clean and decent match. Not very memorable. Putski looks like a penny store gangrel without the blood. Putski's from a second generation family. The, the uh, what's his name? Polish Hammer was his dad, which was a relatively famous wrestler. But yeah, they put on a fine match that no one cares about. Kind of vanilla. Back to Goldberg. And he's still <laughs> warming up by headbutting a locker. I, I would like to point out before we go back to Goldberg. This isn't even a debut for Scott Putsky. He's been rebranded in this because I've I've watched him wrestle on Nitro before. Yeah, his name sounded familiar when he got yeah. brought up. So when I heard the name, I'm like this this doesn't sound good. Yeah, they, he's just changed his gear and I guess sort of his gimmick. This is the change uh, of a gear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was more generic than this. I, I definitely remember that. So what's very funny is his gear is very much leaning into his dad's you know Polish juggernaut kind of persona. Kind of this, I don't know, archaic European kind of gear with the crosses and the like gang it's an eagle. Kind of, it's the yeah. Polish eagle is on his gear. Scott is not a very, you know, Polish, Polish looking name. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't look Polish, but like Scott is also not a very Polish name. You're leaning into this kind of old school, the foreign wrestler has to look different thing. And then you're like, yeah, but I'm Scott. Just take your dad's exact name or be the Baron. Bam. Yeah, it, it is also a very weird callback to a very older kind of wrestling lineage when you're having Goldberg, the football player that tackles people in two seconds on your card. But I, I don't think we're going to see much more of either of these gentlemen on the on the episodes. After Goldberg is done uh, warming up his forehead on the locker. He uh, never this, learns, does he? No, no. <laughs> st- no he he's concussed himself so many times. What a Just moron. stop hurting yourself, man. What a moron. <laughs> it's it's going to bite you in the bite you in the ass. Oh, wait, it does, yeah. It yeah. does. <laughs> 20 years later, no less, <laughs> as well. I'm looking out for a little bit of blood every time. I'm, I'm wondering oh, if it ever happened it always before. is. Uh, 
<laughs> the surprise NWO return comes out of a limo. It's Scott Hall who comes out with a drink I wish was water, but I I know isn't. Oh, he looks rough. Yeah, he does this thing, and I don't want, I don't want to put it on because I know he he makes a lot of funny movements with his body on purpose. But when he's drunk, he kind of hunches over. I noticed recently, and when he's like sober, he stands up straighter. And maybe I'm looking a bit into it, but I'm I'm not a, like that. Definitely isn't water in his glass when he leaves the limo. The NWO welcomes him back, and it's all hugs and bad mouthing Goldberg. One of them asks if he's okay, and there's a there's a genuine awkward pause. <laughs> Match number four of the night, we get Chris Jericho versus Ultimate Dragon or Ultimo Dragon. Apologies. Yeah, JJ calls him Ultimate. Come yeah. on. This got this got me confused. Anytime someone calls him Ultimate, I have it written in my notes, so yeah. I get confused. Nameplate says Ultimo. <laughs> I double checked. <laughs> Jericho's on the mic before Ultimo comes out. He says Ultimo isn't the number one contender. Either is uh, Dean. It's a fake. I'm pretty sure midget Ray Mysterio he brought out. Yes, he did. He uh, did bring uh, out little a person. very, a oh, very small, person, a yeah. very small man masquerading as Ray Mysterio, and let him beat him. Uh, yeah, importantly, to make him the number one contender. <laughs> JJ comes to the ring and says, "This is nonsense." Of course, that Dean is number one contender, not Jericho. Dean comes to the ring and is ready to fight over this, and is told if either man touches each other, they'd be suspended and not have the match. Of course, this leads to Jericho goading Dean about all sorts of very personal matters. JJ like tries to break it up by going, don't fall for it, Dean. I'm like, JJ, it's your rule. You can change it. <laughs> if you think what Jericho is doing, you can go, well, if you're going to do it like that, also, I'm going to add this rule. You're not allowed to taunt them. Yeah, no, stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he gets real personal at the end, uh, insinuating that he doesn't look anything like his brother because his dad was on the road and his mom slept around. Dean snaps and attacks and pulls out chunks of Jericho's hair. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty effective. Uh, but the match between Jer- uh, Jericho and Dragon still goes ahead. Poor, Jer- I feel bad for Jericho now. I feel bad for Dragon. The yeah, maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago, the 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 cheers Dragon would get. Now it's just who is this guy? I don't know. Dragon has a weird month throughout this because he's kind of used as a lackey and manipulated a lot. It's very, so very that's strange. the reason. Okay, yeah. The match itself is like going well and Dragon's actually winning and then Dean comes out <laughs> because obviously he hasn't been restrained and he goes straight after Jericho again and Dragon doesn't do a thing to stop him. He just shrugs and leaves the ring and goes up the ramp, which is fair enough. He's like, oh, I got my paycheck for the night already. More hair trunks pulled out and eventually Dean is like arrested by the local police who always seem to... When I call police, they take like half an hour to get there, but they always seem to be so fast at wrestling shows. because they're too busy going to wrestling shows because <laughs> yeah. they know they can get their numbers up this way. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, we got a dance break and a Nitro Party uh, vignette again. And into our fifth match, we're, we're so spoiled. Three matches fast on the bounce here, guys. Oh, yeah, this happens. This, this is what they do. They go real segment heavy and then they're like oh shit we have to we're a wrestling show so you get bam 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 no contests left right and center and then we're back to the promos <laughs> we have our fifth match of the night we have johnny swinger versus chavo guerrero johnny uh picks uh picks up the mic before the match i somehow feel we'll go tinfoil hat that johnny wasn't supposed to do this and he just grabbed the mic but who knows i don't know much about this guy uh, he says he's the hottest commodity in wrestling and the uh, commentators immediately bury him by going, well, Goldberg's on the card. 
Do you guys know anything about Johnny Swinger? Because I, I I looked up. He he was in TNA. He was in ECW. He was he got around. I remember his name from TNA. That's about it. Mm-hmm. He's about a lot, but yeah, he never gets anywhere. So, so, okay, so he was an average guy, just everywhere he went. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to remember anything else about him, but I just remember some like X Division matches. Yeah, he's been in like I'm looking at it now. He's been in, like every company. He's still in Impact. What the fuck? <laughs> That's the same Johnny Swinger. Yeah, probably is. Yeah. Yeah, he was just competing for the uh, the exhibition title last year. So oh. there you go. Because he'd be fairly young here. Yeah, this uh, we we've seen some of the Chavo stuff before. Do you want to update us on any of uh, the shenanigans between the Guerrero <sighs> family? Uh, I mean, gross. It, there's so much to go through. Chavo tries to capture Eddie with a Wiley e. Coyote style prank. I'm going to have to find the timestamp for you guys because you need to see it. It's 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 too funny. But basically, Chavo's lost his mind and is now hounding Eddie. And he's like, no, you're still my best bro. And you're the best of the family. And I'm going to make sure that you're you're whatever. And Eddie eventually snaps because he just can't take it anymore. Like, because Chavo's such a weirdo. So, yeah, they've just been, it's just been the reverse of their feud has carried on. Like, he's Chavo has snapped and he has been Pepe as well. Has been introduced. <gasps> Pepe's been introduced. Yeah, Pepe's already gotten his head torn off uh, <laughs> at least once. Um, so he has arrived with Pepe. It, it's it's brilliant. The stuff that they're doing is brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I've I've really enjoyed Chavo's stuff from the little bits glimpses I get. Uh, this time he's out with a hard hat and scissors because Eddie's taken a chunk out of his hair. Yeah, so the the end of that Wally Coyote style prank, Eddie like cuts a bit of his hair off. Some video recap of that would have been nice. Yeah, it's also only a very small square Chunk. when it gets revealed. Yeah, but it leads to hilariously. One, I'd like to point out that uh, disciple is on the roster. You're not allowed to bring scissors to the ring. That's gimmick infringement, brother. But uh, Eddie, he doesn't use that anymore. I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The first half of the match, Chavo has his hand on his head because the ref won't let him fight with a hard hat and he doesn't want to reveal his bald spot. Then eventually he's like, oh, I need to start winning, takes his hand down and nearly immediately hits a tornado DDT for the win. Poor poor Mr. Uh, Swinger gets 90% of the offense in and just gets done by a tornado DDT. He then snaps on the mic and uh, takes off a little bit of uh, Swinger's hair. But only like very nice amount. Like it's not going to affect the man's look, but it's very obvious he's being very careful about how much hair he takes off. So even deranged yeah, Chavo is very yeah. Polite. Swinger obviously like son of a bitch. You better not take that much hair off me. <laughs> yeah, he has very long hair, and he challenges Eddie to a hair versus hair match at Bash of the Beach. I love it. Yeah, it was good stuff. This feud, could, like the flock feud, probably is going on too long. But and same thing with Dean Jericho, but. The, the, all, all of those have been entertaining in the crowds. Has the crowd still been up for this? Because I know the, the yes. previous show, they like they had kind of like a dud match crowd-wise. Yeah, they've still been into it. Like his him going crazy, like the crowd is kind of into that. Excellent. Like, Good. So it's been, it has been funny. <laughs> the, the Wiley Coyote one is just so funny because he, he leaves a, a burrito in the middle of the ring oh <laughs> to God. try and what? <laughs> to try and tempt Eddie. See, Gus, when I, when, I, when I told you to send me uh, good stills from Nitros, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Uh, um, okay. Well, at least, at least uh, they're still being used prominently. I'd, I'd hate for either of them to fade into the background. Match number six of the night, and we have some. Uh, some top, top wrestlers that I thought I'd never have to cover again in the ring. <laughs> oh, man. 
They're on we the have, <laughs> We have Disco Inferno with Alex Wright because they both dance. Do you get it? They dance. They both dance. They literally call them dancing idiots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great tag team name. And uh, Ma- uh, Tokyo Magnum sneaks out with Alex, another dancing character. I found this funny. This is the first, I think, Japanese wrestler we've had on where his career isn't that notable. He's fine. He does some. He's like a mid-carder in a bunch of companies. He's not some kind of hidden gem legend that was on WCW TV. But Alex and Inferno don't want them there, but he's they're like de facto dancing manager, I guess, for this match. And in case you were Gus, done dancing... Gus, please context. context uh, please. They had Anything? a match like a week ago or whatever with Magnum and a sumo guy. His name is Sumo, but he's not a sumo wrestler. He's a light heavyweight. Uh, there's there's a lot of Japanese wrestlers on the on the Nitros this month. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll explain it better for the pay-per-view stuff. But yeah, Magnum obviously just hung around because he does some dancing. So he's like the only one who tries to get his character over. <laughs> and so he just latches on to the two lads because like, hey, we dance. So let's do something kind of thing. For my research, anything uh, much like uh, Inferno, uh, Tokyo never changes his gimmick. He changes. Sometimes he's Magnum Tokyo. Sometimes he's Tokyo Magnum. But all the time he dances. Yep. <laughs> uh, if you're if you're not done dancing, if you're a fan of dancing, you didn't get enough dancing in those first two entrances. Here comes Public Enemy with their tables and their hand waving and their my promise that they I would never have to cover them again. But Dave, we got an actual tag team match that we can talk about. That's tag team true. wrestling's back, <laughs> back yeah. in dance form. Quick, quick trivia take for you, Dave. Who are the tag team champions right now? Is it just Giant? No, no. What's the pay per view we just no, I, covered? I, I only know. I only know because they came out with the belts. Actually, yeah, because they do come out with the belts later on tonight. So one of them Sting, correct? Yeah, I'm fifty fifty on who the second guy is. <laughs> is it Luger? Oh, so close! But he Nash. does defend the belt more than Kevin Nash does, who is the champion. Fantastic. <laughs> what? <laughs> They're not the free birds. <laughs> it's amazing. So do you remember that whole that whole feud about and how the belts get held up because Giant just decides to have a tag title match? Yeah. Yeah, they do that again like two weeks later <laughs> oh, no. with the wolf pack. But nobody's nobody bats an eyelid because they're the faces. So Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I love wrestling. <laughs> this match is actually really long and interesting. No, nothing happens. One thing I will, can can I note one thing though uh, of course. that that really tickled me. <laughs> Tony says uh, multiple times they have to talk about Goldberg and the main event. Yeah. So Tony promises us that the audience that they will stay with the title match if it goes long, and they say that's been our policy <laughs> the months and years on TNT. They'll stay till the bitter end. Man, does that not happen a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. man, does that bite him in the ass at Halloween Havoc? Like oh, literally oh, what WCW. he says. Literally what he says most of the time is, we're out of time, everybody, but stay tuned. And you're like, oh. <laughs> my God. I was like, you really just said that, Tony. All right. <laughs> Before we move on, I will say the public enemy, they're on the shows all the time. They do get the crowd. So it makes sense why they're on all the time. They're in some Brave jerseys. Where, where, where were the Braves based at this point? Atlanta. Atlanta. Still Atlanta? Yeah. For some reason, yeah. I thought the Braves were somewhere else. Never mind. The long time ago, Dave. That's a deep yeah. cut. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know my, I want to say baseball history. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> they just take a break from wrestling the opposition team to put Tokyo Magnum through the tables. And then Disco Inferno and Alex don't care about them because they don't, they don't want another, a third dancing dork would be too many. So they put them through the table. 
it's like a mod of he doesn't run the ropes anymore. He like starts on the top rope and he flips him over because it was two tables, I guess. Maybe the jump was too big. They like have changed their weird whatever. finish that they usually do. <laughs> yeah, what, what, it's still whatever. terrible. <laughs> it's not but even I, their finish, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just a transition move for the mostly. Yeah, yeah. Match goes on, and then the dancing idiots come in with some trash cans and just hit public enemy, and it's a DQ, I guess, because they didn't want to wrestle anymore. So more commentary gold uh, comes at the end of this match. Brain says, "I don't know who won this match," and Tony replies, "I don't think it matters, does it?" <laughs> tell me so, you're making shoot comments without supposed to be making mm, shoot comments yep. <laughs> so why did they get themselves DQ'd why did they bother coming out in the first place how many clean finishes have you watched so far Dave is it zero that's one right Chavo won Chavo won clean as a whistle oh, sorry Chavo that's two because Putski won as well Oh Actually, yeah, we're back pretty Chief. good then for a night show for once. <laughs> mean Gene introduces Buff, who's still in the wheelchair, to his home crowd. Judy brings him out, and uh, she's automatically over for being a lovely mother. And uh, Gene introduces her at the end. <laughs> Buff just goes on about how um, he loves all the fans, and he's really overwhelmed. And I don't know if he's like faking a little. I have no I don't idea. Think so this no, I don't think so. Yeah, his hand is like genuine. genuinely trembling. It looks it's, like yeah, it's quivering. I mean, if he's if he's acting, he's doing a hell of a job. But I don't think so. Yeah, mo- a better job than any of his other parts of his career. So I think we can say it's it's probably real. And yeah, it's quite touching. And obviously, you can't come out uh, come out doing all, like all the the heel stuff. And uh, the crowd love him, and they love Judy as they should. She's gone through way too much for this industry. Yeah, it feels like WCW has, has something here, but it's literally like what a month, couple weeks that they yeah. turn him heel. There's a great great detail from Gene. He calls him Marcus. He doesn't call he him does. yeah. during yeah. The, during the promo, which I thought was nice. That's uh, a good point. And then the other on the other side of the coin is Bobby, and Bobby makes quite the line <laughs> to begin with, as he immediately insults Buff Bagwell's mother. mother <laughs> <man>. <laughs> and it's yeah, the team uh, like they go through so seriously. He's like, like most people would have died. And, Buff is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you want to? Uh, are you going to wrestle with Scott? And he's like, well, listen, he can do his own. I'm just happy to be walking. I'm just happy to be yeah, eating, breathing, eating. Yeah, Th- thanking and, the and fans. I'm, I'm brain's just burying him on commentary. Well, he, I think, I think Brain genuinely doesn't know who it is because he makes a crack about it, about it being Buff's date, and they're like, that's his mother, and he's like, oh, oh, I'm really sorry. Uh, um. Yeah, that nice moment. Uh, I'd like to say that he gets a bit of a like lovely face run and like is anti NWO because you can go, they didn't visit me or whatever, you know. Yeah, Dave, that sounds too great. Stop. That, yeah, <laughs> too obvious. I, I know he's going to pop out of his wheelchair and hit someone with his neck brace or something in the next couple of months. I just, I can vision it. But from uh, that lovely moment to a, I guess another lovely moment, it's uh, Goldberg against Scott Hall. Saying even that match out loud is kind of cool. It seems like it's just a cool match to think of. Like all, all these matches here kind of throw away. There's some good competitors, obviously, in it. But uh, that's like a Hall of Fame match. That could have been a main event uh, program. And something that Hogan pointed out in the promo earlier that Goldberg really hasn't faced any notable names, which is yeah. actually true. Yeah. And it's it's the commentators. They built they do a really good job building up the anticipation for this match. They know he's never been champion, or there's never been a champion that's been undefeated. So there's a lot of pressure on Goldberg, especially like the big stage. Like, is that gonna make him nervous? You know. So I, I thought they did a really good job of just telling this whole story front to back. 
yeah, I, 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 the commentary makes some uh, normal Nitro, you know, jokes and missteps. But when it comes to Goldberg, all of them are obviously the staff of the company know this is a big deal. This is their guy. Like out of, out of you know, obviously the storyline, they know that this is a guy that can bring in ratings again or hope to and comedy take it very serious. So the main event has some uh, insanely good co- uh, moments on commentary. I think it's really cool to put him up against Hall here. This isn't a jabroni. You're, you're absolutely right. This feels like a threat. This is someone that might stop Goldberg. This could be easily his first loss, uh, star power-wise. And if he does defeat him, it makes him look unstoppable. All of a sudden, everyone goes, well, this, like, he's going to be Hogan. It's a formality that the arena starts to like, crackle with anticipation. Also, technically, this is for the U.S. title. As the, the commentators note, as the ref holds it up in the, the air, they're like, oh, uh, I guess, yeah, no, it's for the U.S. title. Hawk, I'm in the U.S. title here. Is this the first time we get the signature pyro? No, they've been they've been steadily adding to it okay. over the last month. The breeding dragon fire kind of intro. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, this is the Goldberg I remember mostly. I don't, there's not, not much more gets added to him after this, right? Uh, uh, later on, yes. The main event, yeah. Well, the, main, <laughs> the main event, yeah, but I mean, like, after this show, this is kind of the complete package and after even, this point. And even, to be yeah. fair, even after this, he doesn't do the at one last thing on the pay-per-view, so hmm. I, I don't know how often he does that right away. Well, the one thing that stays the same with Goldberg is uh, he dominates this match. Hall sells very well for him. Hall just kept getting thrown around the ring. Every kind of like strength exchange he tries, every time he tries to kind of outsmart him heel-wise, Goldberg just tosses him. There's a weird moment in the middle of the match where Goldberg just kind of jumps on him and both men look a bit frustrated and are kind of pushing each other. And there was a lot of rumors between these two men, like hating each other, essentially Goldberg thinking that Scott was extremely unprofessional. Scott thinking that, you know, Goldberg was a bit full of himself and wasn't able to ad lib. But a lot of those rumors come from next year when they have a match, uh, uh, 2000, sorry, 1999 instead of 98. But it looks like they might not be on the same page completely for the middle part of this match anyway. I think one of the moments is Goldberg, I think, throws him into the ropes too hard. Part of this is, I think the small ring, the smaller ring in WCW just really hinders a guy like Goldberg. Just not mm. enough room for him because he's too powerful and he's just some of his moves where he just completely throws somebody in, like th- throw somebody down. They like neck themselves on the ropes. I've seen it like three or four times now. And somebody like Hall's like, yo, I'm not taking that shit. Stop it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to get hurt because of you. Yeah, he was already bu- building a reputation of being a bit, uh, they call it careless. <laughs> Uh, the, the other one he does is he back body drops Hall when he goes for razor, Razor's Edge. And he overthrows him. Hall lands yep. like on his knee. Yep. And I, he clutches it. And I don't think that's like selling. I think he genuinely like all his body lands on like his knee. So that's pretty dangerous. Yeah. Uh, it's numerous true in interviews that that reigns true. That I think particularly DDP talks about he was supposed to miss the spear or whatever in the match oh, that yeah. will go over. And Goldberg just tries to go 100 miles an hour and almost almost hits him when he's supposed to miss him. That one is very famous because uh, he concusses himself. Right, right. So he's exactly. supposed to give DDP lots of time to like skin the cat out of the way of the corner he just, spear. Yeah, he, he can't, doesn't know when to turn it off, even if yeah. it's just headbutting the locker or in the match. This is, And obviously you can't control him that much either because part of it is people loved how... Obviously it's shit and you never want to be a wrestler to be stuck in that situation, but it looks like he's fucking people up, mostly because he's fucking a lot of people, people up. up. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to take that away from him and him not be that famous. But yeah, if you come up against kind of old school guys like this or 
you know, allegedly legal early on in his career, they're not going to take that shit and they're going to slap you back. And then a young guy like Goldberg probably isn't going to know what to do if he's getting slapped for real in the middle of a, a match. But on Goldberg's side, he complained a lot. He's like, well, these guys didn't talk to me and they just start kicking me in the head. So I didn't know what to, to do. And yeah, we're starting to see kind of little bits of that here. We talked about it in the Regal match, and I'm sure we'll get to talk about it a couple more times and bring up a couple more uh, shoot interviews. But even between all that animosity, I think Hall makes Goldberg look really good here and eventually gets really fed up and frustrated, whether that be for real or kayfabe. And he uh, rolls out of the ring and just motions the lackeys to come. Motions the lackeys to come down to the ring. But they're cut off by DDP Malone. Lovely bit of continuity, DDP actually being on uh, Goldberg's side and not just paying some lip service. And this lets uh, Goldberg make quick work out of Hall with a spear and a jackhammer to finish him off without taking like any damage. If you're playing a SmackDown versus Raw game, all his limbs are still green going into the main event. <laughs> Thoughts on this match? Not great, I thought. Very awkward for me. Scott shouldn't be there, to be honest. But that's that's a big thing. If if there if there is anything to applaud here, and it's the crowd, all they do is lock up. Goldberg throws Hall down. Crowd erupts. This is just for a middle of the show random match here, and they're just going ballistic. Yeah, it doesn't have to be good. I, I completely agree with you. I don't think it is good, but it doesn't have to be because the moment just has to be good. DDP and Malone show their face. They're already getting their, uh, their you know, worth of Malone out of whatever paycheck they gave him for this episode. It just sets up perfectly. Like, they could do the, you know, injured baby face angle here. They could have, like, the NWO take a cheap shot, not even try and beat Goldberg and have, like, take out his knee or something like that. But they don't want it. They want to keep Goldberg, like, 100%. They they want this feeling, I think, of Hogan's done. If, if he gets into the ring with Goldberg, the match is over already. And yeah, you don't get that feeling that much in wrestling, especially with faces. Now we got our uh, have the crowd not be spent before the main event uh, matches. We have Psychosis versus UV. Uh, Psychosis dressed as a Power Ranger. That's pretty sweet. Maybe not as sweet as Goldberg win- winning a title, but kind of sweet. But men give us a fast and snappy match. Uh, a bit of a botch near uh, near the end leads to UV near landing on his neck. Ugh. Yeah, it was very awful. close. He, he just gets enough rotation. But after what is a fine match, he picks uh, UV picks up the win with a 450 splash before the flock hit the ring and beat up both men. The scene is cut very short by another of the Goldberg win clips, this time number 75 versus Raven. And I feel really bad because this is obviously a feud that's happening and I should be interested. But the show isn't, <laughs> the show is not even interested enough to let us see any of it. Oh, how naive you are, Dave. <laughs> this, my friends, is pretty much the entire buildup for a pay-per-view match. No. Correct. Oh my This goodness. is the first time Hooventude is on the shows since the last pay-per-view. Psychosis also hasn't been on Nitros or Thunders either. And this is the first interaction between Hoovy and Kidman. I believe they're on Thunder then and that's the entirety of the build up to their uh, pay-per-view match. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> All right, yeah, sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz as you've seen my notes of how I go through like and I build up and as I'm going through I'm like, okay, so they fig- they've they've got this match and they've got this match and then I'm like, okay, there's two shows left and I haven't seen either of these two people and okay, why aren't why are they on the show and why isn't Booker T on the show? Okay, uh, right. <laughs> I, I guess it's just long-term booking of Hovey faced Reese at the last paper. Yeah, I think I, I'm guessing that they were there was meant to be stuff earlier in the month, and 
I don't know, they weren't able to show up because they were in Mexico or whatever. Uh, I I did want to ask because Brain, he has some, I think, awkward commentary because he asks why anyone would want to risk their life for a match or why would anyone want to win that bad by doing like these crazy moves. Yeah. Is this referencing Mick Foley or Buff Bagwell? Oh, that could be a shot of Foley. Yeah. I thought that was a weird comment because I'm like, ah, it's one of Brain's typical kind of when he breaks the kind of illusion too much. I'm like, you can't say that because it's too true. They wrestle like that because so not every match is the same is, is your actual answer. Right, and like, well, there's yeah. still some sort of kayfabe of, well, the higher risk of the move, it's going to do the more the more damage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, when he said that, I'm like, oh, that's bad commentary. You can't really pull the illusion back, you know, pull the veil back that much. Well, the segment in, uh, the segment after this match is a recap of uh, Malone and DDP versus Rodman and Hogan. We get the press conference, some conflicts, some like little shots of it, but it feels like we've seen most of this already. I guess the, the press conference is new, but no, it's I guess not. Re- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It, it might be new for you guys, <laughs> but I've seen it eight times now, at least, like by the time the show comes out. It's new to us in that it's a different setting, but they say nothing new that aren't in the little talking head interviews. My my, my favorite part was uh, something about can Rodman's experience help the MWO or whatever like that. Is, <laughs> his experience is going to help the match. It's like you know his one match of experience is his two arm tosses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and from the lofty heights of Malone versus Rodman, and competing with the gore of WWE, we got match number nine of the night. The Giant versus still-employed Jim Duggan? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> Question yeah. mark? Jim is not in great shape here. This is certainly the twilight of his career. Or at least I'd like to say that. I think he wrestled a couple of years ago. I think he still was up until very recently. Oh, I think he still wrestles, yeah. Oh, Jim almost died recently, right? I hope he still doesn't wrestle. Oh, he probably still wrestles, doesn't he? The, fa- the crowd still love him. He has his two gimmicks. A plank of wood, which I never got, still confuses me to this very day. And the American flag, which I guess is over. Listen, he's going to be on a pay-per-view on the biggest pay-per-view of 1999. He's, no. He wrestles on Starcade 99. Why? Uh, there's a feud. Uh, <laughs> is this Why? when he's like the garbage man where he finds the belt in the garbage? Or something? Uh, no, he wrestles. Um, it's him plus three other older guys. So Kevin Sullivan. Oh, no, there's more Kevin Sullivan. No. It's the Varsity Club and Jim Duggan against the Revolution, which oh. is Shane Douglas and Perry Saturn and Dean Malenko. And there's one other person I can't remember. It might be Asia. Revolution sounds like an okay stable. I, I just can't that. believe it's against Jim Duggan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so. Jim Duggan holding it up. You, you did mention something that's not going to happen in the podcast timeline. That's Jim Duggan finding the TV championship, I want to say, in the trash because someone else has thrown it away. And he just claims to be the TV champion after that because he found it. Oh. That's a way to che- treat your championships. I might force <laughs> us to cover that angle. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, always wa- I've always wanted to delve deep into that. Oh, my goodness. I think uh, what's more disappointing for me is that you guys don't get to witness the Giants' cool gimmick for the month. Is it smoking? Smoking, yeah. <laughs> Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but he carries it on through the whole, like he does the full um, Don Morocco. Like he smokes while wrestling. Oh, I love that gimmick. <laughs> if I ever wrestle, if I ever have one match, I'm doing the Don Morocco. Just eating a sub in between power slams. That I could never do. I'd, I'd be like George Costanza and just 
you try and smoke for like five seconds and then vomit. <laughs> yeah, this match isn't much to write home about. Jim gets his old country boy stuff in for about two and a half seconds and gets choke slammed. After the match, uh, Giant grabs uh, a mic and calls out Kevin Green. He says, uh, keep Goldberg out of this. It's between us two. And calls him all sorts of names, but Green's having none of it. He comes to the ring. Very lucky that the professional football player was in the back for this. You know, very good timing. Polo shirt, white shorts, you know. <laughs> oh, his his <laughs> gear is amazing. On, on vacation or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just uh, in va- on vacation down here in Atlanta, and I thought I'd drop by. <laughs> uh, Giant charges him, but um, Kevin Green dodges and clotheslines, a pretty solid clothesline from Green, clotheslines him out of the ring, and uh, Giant is in a big strop and just leaves. I thought Jim would help him or something, but no, he just takes a Giant by, him, by himself. It's fine, I guess. I wouldn't say I'm excited to see Kevin Green again. I guess I'm not too disappointed because we've always liked his work, but yeah, he's just yeah, he was fine. But I don't really want to see these celebrities repeat unless they're right. It's it's too much again. We we we've 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 encountered this before. Yeah, I don't I I don't understand why they decided to do two celebrity tag team matches, not just like matches, two tag matches. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure why these aren't paced. Like even before you knew you were going to push Goldberg, why aren't these on like separate pay per views or whatever? Kevin's makes kind of sense because he has to do it basically in July. Otherwise, he's in training camp. Yeah. And he, yeah. he and probably same, doesn't same have thing the with, time. Well, yeah, and the basketball thing, the, the NBA playoffs, they were in the finals into game six, and that went until like mid-late June. Yeah. So that maybe they wanted to do that earlier. They just couldn't. Well, they had to get it on like, while it's hot as well. Yeah, but they could have done greens earlier. Like, yeah. He would th- yeah. <sighs> like his season ends in February if he makes the Super Bowl. So. Hey, man, he was on vacation. Yeah, yeah, clearly he's still on vacation. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit of a legit. They're like, you can use them within these like two weeks. That's all we're allowing you. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll give them some credit for that, but it's probably not true. Match after this is uh, just about as exciting as the previous one. Tent match of the night. Ooh, lots of beautiful wrestling we've watched. Uh, DDP versus Nyhart, again, who I forgot is in the company. Nyhart still has his WWF gear. That's how confident he is he's going to have a job within the year, I suppose. Because literally hasn't bought new gear. I mean, neither does Bulldog. When you see them, they they wrestle a couple of times during the month as a tag team. At least that's some coherency. But unfortunately, I don't care about their tag division. That's like a fine tag team to have around. But even Brett's job dropped his normal gear at the stage. He, I guess, uh, Brett just wears street clothes most of the time, though. No, he's re- he's wrestling in his normal gear. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Neither of them need a. <clears throat> but Brett is really, Brett is really, really iconic. I like. I yeah. don't know why he he would change them. So yeah, that that's absolutely fair. well. Maybe slap an NWO sticker on them. I guess no. He has literally no NWO gear. <laughs> it's so funny. They they had that moment earlier when the in one of the recaps where they had um, the NWO getting ready to attack DDP and Malone if they come in, and they're all picking up crowbars and like fucking boards yeah. with nails yeah. on them. I'm like, are you going to murder those people? <laughs> what because. Well, the whole point is they knew it was an 18-wheeler, so they're going to yeah. dismantle the 18-wheeler. Well, that's all that, the weapons are for. That's what Hogan said. But yeah. then both Brett and someone else said, yeah, we'll get him in the knee with these. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's assault. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem very Bret Hart, does it? No, it no. Do- I think they were just messing, you know, just say random yeah. words for the camera, but you could just pick up two of them basically going, yeah, and we'll like, get his knees with this. Like, Jesus Christ, guys. Oh, this- I forgot to mention, uh, during the Booker match, he comes out. I'm pretty sure he says, "Oh shit, Booker." Yeah, when it, oh. off, I'm gonna splice it in now. You, 
Fans, you'll have to tell me if uh, he does say oh shit or not. It's Talk about another oh, machine, only more of an aerial version. Oh, yeah. Definitely sounds like that. And another classic one Hogan says when he comes out for his match into the camera, he goes, Goldberg, I'm going to kick your butt. What rating are we again? I'm going to go with boy, just in case. <laughs> uh, t- turn that audio off that camera, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love catching wrestlers say stuff like that. It's so great. Yeah, Nightheart gets squashed in two and a half minutes. He throws a low blow in. That's exciting. But then he gets diamond cuttered out of his shoes. Yeah, but you just need to have DDP on the go-home show. Like, I understand. Nightheart is a fine guy to squash here. He's not doing anything. After the match, we get a review of Goldberg's 100 victory, which we've complained about plenty on this podcast already. It's Conan. Take that. Wolfpack, for the first time, out uh, out together in the show. You know, one of the main storylines, and they just all get two minutes oh, yeah. to do their yeah. thing here. I forgot about him. What are I they did. doing? Gus, tell me, this, what are they doing? This was the thing I was uh, foreshadowing earlier. These guys are probably, like, outside of Goldberg, the most overfaces in the company, like, I guess arguably with DDP or whatever. They do literally nothing. <laughs> like, nothing happens to them, and they're not even on the pay-per-view. And yet, they come out here, and they're super over, and they all do their gimmick, and then they walk off again. I'll have you know, Conan defeats Disco Inferno on their he pay-per-view. Does. So, um, oh, that's true. That's true. I think they're getting pushed to the moon. <laughs> No pay-per-view build-up for that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I know you're devastated to hear Fantastic. this. But <laughs> Can't wait till we get to that one. Yeah, this is uh, this is so sad. Like they all just come out before this throwaway match between whatever two lads they found in the back, Kidman and Sick Boy, who haven't <laughs> somebody who's going yet. to wrestle on the pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is one person on this ma- in this match who wrestles the pay-per-view, and it's not the one you'd think it would be. <laughs> Oh, it's so it's so ridiculous. Kev is like pumping up the crowd on the mic. The crowd doesn't need to be pumped up. They just want to see Goldberg. But you need to get these guys out. You're right. These are like the majority of the rest of their faces. Besides <laughs> besides these being Goldberg. It's like every other face in the company and that in this one stable. I, I also like how Sting, again, it's devolving. Sting was this silent protector. And he's already jawing like he's in like... Nah, yeah, he's, <laughs> like he, he's changed completely over the last while. He's like cracking jokes and everything. Yeah. This this concept of Crow Sting, this really cool... You know, he's compared to Undertaker all the time. The way Undertaker he never used to speak. Now, Undertaker couldn't cut a promo, so they didn't let him speak. But like he never used to speak, and they compared him and all oh, cool, these like mysterious guys. Sting was never that character. That has never happened. This is just fiction that the wrestling fans have made up. He's always just been Beach Boy Sting in slightly different fucking paint. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> yeah. Not a fan. <laughs> this, this has gone terribly, I think. With, with all these turns and all, all, all this crap, it's just... I mean... They cheat to win, <laughs> and the crowd loves it because, <laughs> like, Kev has yes. no right to be in the in that. Yes, match. I can't argue with that. Yeah, yeah. I like, I think Luger is benefiting the most because he actually has something to do, and yeah. I don't have to pretend to like him that much. Yep. He just gets to do what he wants. Luger actually seems to be having a great time. Yeah. Whenever he's he's on the shows, like he's enjoying himself a lot more. He's finally in the cool kids club. Yeah, yeah. They're here for like two minutes or whatever. They do their they do their spiel and then they go off again. And they probably sold loads of shirts. Like who, who cares? Kevin Nash written all over. Kev's, it. That's only like the second time I've seen Kevin in a month. Like 
uh, of Nitros. It's like, he's so very on the shows. <laughs> we have hours of the flock, and I'm a fan of the flock, but they are literally in 15 different feuds. And like, how many flock matches are on this card? And they're like, all three? the exact same, by the way. Like, yeah. it's not that they're 15 different feuds. Yeah. <laughs> There's like three flock match- matches on this card. But this, this stable that basically had your whole former main event scene, like before Goldberg, this was everyone that was main eventing your pay-per-views, and they just have nothing. We have nothing for you, lads. We just can't think of it. Now, where's Kevin Green going on the card tonight? Hmm. It's just so weird. And we talked at length about how over we thought this stable was and what a good idea it was. And now, yeah, I'm, I'm even looking at the card for for the next podcast god damn <laughs> it's so weird uh they get to destroy uh kidman and sick boy poor kidman in 28 seconds i as i said i didn't know who was the legal man i don't know who are the champions because kev was champ uh, carrying a championship but luger fought so nwo red or wolfpack are just the free birds i guess the red and black attack is what they refer red to themselves black. as if oh. it's not the wolfpack that's catchy Enough of that, or enough filler. I'm done with these jabrones. We're on to the main event. A pay-per-view caliber main event, nonetheless. We have Goldberg versus Hogan. Crowd are going ballistic from the get-go, and they make Goldberg's entrance way too long for this, and the crowd are just 100% all the way through chanting his name. This is the first time we see him accompanied by security, we think. Gus, you've, you said you haven't seen him uh, with security before. As far as, as, far as, I, as I can tell, yeah, this is the first time he gets it. It really brings the uh, the entrance together. Yeah, it really does. It makes it feel such like a big deal. He looks that that's that's a star right there. <laughs> but that's what happens to legit sports, you know, icons, right? Because fans are too over exuberant. You need guards near them. So it just yeah, it just feels very reality. If someone was as popular as Goldberg, you'd want protection for him, right? This is what I remember from Goldberg as a kid. This exact entrance, like nothing else, and sometimes jackhammers. That's all I knew about this person, but I knew he was, like, huge. The oddest thing about these entrances for me is there's no buffer. And oh, they've yeah. used wow. buffer. I didn't notice that. They've used buffer for, like, almost every Nitro every main event yeah. and pay-per-views. That's but he's so not on weird. this show. And I didn't. I don't get why at all. I Goldberg doesn't need it. Get out of here. Yeah, they even have buffer introducing Goldberg. Uh, sorry, yeah, introducing DDP and Malone at press conferences and some of the callbacks. So it's not like they're not using him currently. It's just such a weird quirk, like, because they've, they've used him on basically every other show I've ever seen, and he only ever seems to introduce Hogan and a couple others. I'm not going to lie, I didn't miss him. Like, besides the let's get ready to rumble bit, which is kind of nice, I, I hate him introducing the the wrestlers I found out. It's the really awkward, long introductions that he doesn't seem to have read before. Yeah. Because he never seems to paste them right, which is always what irks and, me. And they u- he uses like old nicknames or something, or sometimes he makes up little titles for them. Like, like we know they're gimmicks. Like, you don't have to do this. But yeah, I kind of enjoy I, the commentary where also when Goldberg came out, I think Brain was like, just be quiet. Let's listen to this. Because he just wanted to listen to the fans as Goldberg came out. And he was completely right. They were like cheering his name the entire time. Hogan coming out alone and it seeming a lot more tame and actually just solid booze for hogan like he usually gets booed but there's none of this like little crowd of nwo fans you know this is perfect uh heel versus babyface dynamics the match itself i think probably everything it needed to be 
It was a lot of uh, basic power struggles and holds to start the match. Goldberg not looking like completely dominant, but pretty dominant, coming out on top of the majority of them. We get full Coward Hogan. Uh, he gets some offense in. He gets some nice clotheslines and body slams. But he takes off the belt and tries to whip Goldberg. And when Goldberg gets hold of it, instead of doing the whole, you know, to and fro, using it to whip the, the bad guy, he just throws it out of the ring, which I think is like... Great spot. Great spot. Especially since everyone, even Sting has done it, you know? Everyone has used it. And he's like, this is nonsense. I don't need this. Take it out of here. So we, so we mentioned uh, Buffer not being there. There's also one key other person that is not in the ring so who who can you think of that has ruined big matches yes mm. there's a very di- distinct difference yeah is it nick, nick patrick, patrick is not the yeah. referee i noticed that right away and it made me feel nice and calm <laughs> I, I should have noticed that because i didn't notice the referee too much and that's because they're a good referee fucking nick patrick ah nick's okay nick's fine i just he does everything a little different to the average referee and that's not his fault per se, even when he's not being like a personality, his style is a bit different to the average ref. And that puts me off. I'm like, I don't want to be looking at the ref. I want to be looking mm-hmm. much. It That's is fair. fine, but just don't have it be the main top referee. Yeah. Your main top referee needs to be one. You do not notice, or it's one that you trust the most as well. Whether it's new Japan has red shoes, whether WWF has Hefner, whether AEW has, I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Uh, Audrey. Uh, Audrey. So not that you like don't trust the other refs, but it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't even think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's great that you didn't even know the full name of some of them because we shouldn't unless they're put into like weird angles. Like I know that WWF or WCW have done, and that's why we know them. It's not their fault. That's why we like, know Earl Hefner, right? Yeah, yeah. But but the, the second AEWF, I forget the small bald guy. He's friends with some of the wrestlers. I know that him, guy, but that's because he's the infamous man who did the the Invisible Man match. Oh sure, sure. Oh. I can't, I can't watch his matches without remembering that. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that, like I don't know their names because I don't need to. They just, they, I, they only draw attention to themselves when they need attention drawn to themselves, right? And yeah, that I, I didn't notice uh, Nick Patrick wasn't uh, was or wasn't there because I didn't notice the ref because it's not about him. Oh, it's uh, little, <laughs> but little Nate, little Nate. Oh, little little Nate. Oh, little Nate is excellent. The best seller of a of a ref bump in the industry. But there, there was one time I did notice it because, I mean, there's a key match where when they go on the outside, Hogan does use a chair to the back of Goldberg and it's yeah. no DQ, no, nothing. Like, we think we've seen this before that Robinson will try and grab the chair or the ref, you know, tries to do it, but he just stands there. It's like, no, don't this is it. This is a very weird part of the match and I don't know why it happens because the rest of the match, I, I would go to say, is almost perfect because yeah. not that it's a good match, but it's all they need, right? It is all they need. They can't just have Goldberg run over him. They have to have Hogan give the fans that little bit. Oh, this is Hogan's usual win pattern. Like, how is are we going to have a Goldberg loss here and go ballistic? Randomly, after he gets a little bit of control of the match and puts Goldberg outside, he just hits him with a chair three times. Why? <laughs> I don't get it. And I, I, the commentators make up the same old thing. It's like, oh, the ref says must want us to see a conclusion to this match. Imagine if, imagine if a football ref did that. Uh, there's only six points in it, guys. I really want to see another another quarter, though. This is real tight. I, I think the fans deserve another quarter. It, it's just this weird, didn't need to be in the match moment. I guess it makes Goldberg look really strong, though. He just takes a bunch of chair shots and shakes it off. Yeah, Hogan, uh, when he takes it back into the ring, just starts hitting leg drops. Hits three of them in a row, in fact, of his deadly finisher 
and Goldberg straight kicks out at two, not not close. While he's kicking out at two, Hennig is making his way down to the ring. It looks like he's coming down to like celebrate with Hogan or maybe make sure the victory happens. But again, Malone and DDP right on his tail. Malone hits a pretty good diamond cutter on Hennig on the outside. Phenomenal. Yeah, pretty good for someone that's not wrestled before. And uh, Hogan is momentarily uh, distracted by this, and uh, Goldberg just pops straight back up like nothing's happened. Hits the spear, hits the jackhammer, and commentary are going nuts for this. pin brain just shouting do it do it your career is on the line just do it it's fantastic and feels very real and the fans are throwing so much stuff into the ring even before the pin starts of course the jackhammer uh, brings on the tree and the crowd lose their mind brain shouts thank you multiple times <laughs> the commentary moment is almost perfect just brain hating hogan face or heel throughout the entire career is so good. And it cul- uh, uh, culminates in this, and it's great that a face wins, but Brain being so emotional is that two-sided coin. One, he always hates Hogan. He always thinks Hogan's a piece of shit. Two, the, the NWO have finally lost, and this feels like what uh, the Sting moment should have been, just as clean as a whistle win for Goldberg. I think this is a phenomenal moment in wrestling history. A lot, a lot of things that we say about WCW, this wasn't it. Because a lot of WCW, we've kind of said, eh, the wrestling was fine. It was just kind of paid by the numbers, whatever. Kind of no emotion thing. But this moment, it gives you chills. You can feel the emotion in it. You see it. The, the crowd throwing toilet paper in the ring is just complete pandemonium. And it's it's just so well done. And that, that's, I think, that's what's so jarring about it. It's, WCW kind of finally got it right. The timing was really weird. Like, Hennig should have came out, like, sooner. And I don't know what you guys think about kicking out of the leg drop three leg drops like was kind of like an afterthought because you like miss when the leg drops because you have to cut to Hennig coming down cut to Hennig. <laughs> so that that part was a little awkward but again that, that's just picking that straws here it's it just small details if you want to have like the perfect match here the, the there's definitely a couple notches that we have to take down on this one i i think that kicking off from the tree leg drops is fine i think that's fine because the leg drop has meant very little over the last couple of years like in the timeline like it's already kind of destroyed as a finisher everyone's kicked up from it and he does multiple of them all the time he also is really lazy about it so he doesn't run the ropes the second time he kind of just leans back on the ropes and walks up and does another one i feel like it's just not even needed it's not it's not needed it's just 
one leg drop, I would almost expect him to kick out of. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah so, no, if you're going to do it, yeah, you're going to do it this way. But I, I think like in the whole spot, like, yeah, entirely. maybe they, maybe didn't need any leg drops at that point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, fair. I, I get what they're doing. But yeah, H- Hogan's finisher being complete ass also isn't great for these moments. They essentially got booked themselves into this previous three to four weeks. There's a marked change in how loud every crowd reaction is. This is not an isolated incident. The crowd is like this every week. And every time they go to a break and every time they mention his name, the crowd goes nuts. They had to do this because the the crowd was eventually just going to turn on them if they just denied what was meant to be. So I don't know how much credit I want to give them. I think they probably would have done it the following month if they'd had a choice or maybe two months down the line. But they essentially were bullied into this. Like he is by far the biggest thing they have. He is so much more over than everybody else. He still hasn't said a word to anybody uh, promo wise. And it's such a simple formula. And I look forward to seeing how they fuck this whole thing up now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's too good. Like this is too perfect. I do question how much of this is down to they were losing ratings again and they want to get it back. So they just figured because they literally announced this match four days before it happens. That's the the max amount of build they gave it. Like, it's not something that they were like going, oh, when's he going to face him? When's he going to have that? Who's next? They haven't even got to the who's next line. Right. And there's, there's no there's no kind of tease. There's no, no there's no face off with Rock and Austin in the ring or something like that. There's been no way. Uh, he's barely interacted with even NWO members like right. he's starting to have this the back and forth thing with Kurt Hennig but that's all promo it's all Hennig doing the heavy lifting promo wise and there's some good segments with him and Rick Rude but otherwise that's it like all you see of Goldberg is he arrives in the ring he beats whoever he's wrestling and then this month he helps Kevin Green because Kevin Green is his friend and that's it and he's he's just like this bubble separate to everybody else and now now he has to be involved with everything. They can't leave him out by the wayside any longer. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree. It, it does feel like a very direct response. Like I, We've seen it in shoot interviews. I don't want to take too many of them too realistically because I know post the closing of this company, people were very generous to the wording they used in interviews towards Vince and WWF. It might be their future employer. But, you know, they were scared. They won for so many st- weeks straight. They really wanted to win again. They really wanted to make that just a blip, you know? I think it is a little bit of a response of, should we do this in a pay-per-view? No, we make enough money on pay-per-views. We could wait till next month. I, I, th- I think you're probably right. I think the way they were building it, they were going to have them win it the month after. Or we can just do it now and just have them defend it then. And it won't make a big difference to our pay-per-view, but it could win us the rating wars back for a couple of weeks. So I think that's why they do it. I'd like to give them like a, a bit of credit and go, oh, they're really organic and they did it because of you know that but I, th- I think they just hurried what they knew had to happen anyway because i don't think the crowd would have let anyone else be champion next <laughs> anyway i think they would have just shit on whoever held or got the championship next off them yeah that's always the age-old question that's what the, f- the fun thing about wrestling is like what's the real story of this like why did they really make this decision so hogan takes credit for it and bischoff kind of agrees with him that it was his idea to do this yeah, but like Bischoff disagrees that this was kind of a response for ratings, like dropping that they were desperate for ratings or whatever. So Bischoff hasn't really conceded in in, in that in that way, but obviously you would think they are. But it's it's also at the same time like 
when you look at the schedule, they're looking at, well, here the Georgia Dome is set on this date. So it's like we might as well utilize it. So I've I've actually kind of come around on this because before on this old age discussion of should they have waited and then build this up on the pay-per-view? But it's really no good time to do this, I think. I think they should have kind of on the, the camp of they should have done this now. Maybe built it up a little bit differently, but yeah, I would agree with you. I, th- I think now is the right time. I think if they had the choice, they probably would have waited longer because they're not very good at making the correct decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I don't even know how they get him into a title shot in a different way. I don't, yeah, I don't even think you really need a creative way. The way they did it was just yeah. fine. It, it was, it's really like, how, how long do you want to extend it? Do you want this night just to be they he faces Hall and then it's, oh, okay, if he wins this match, you go, go to a pay-per-view match, blah, blah, blah. I was before in the camp where, oh, WCW, this is just being dumb WCW, and this is why they folded. And this is like now really super low on my list of anything. Yeah. There's some of the other matches I think they were way worse on the totem pole, like DDP versus Sting, that they gave away on, on middle of a Nitro. So th- this this isn't even close to that. Yes, I think that there should be a better balance of this ratings matter type thing and building pay-per-views. And I think they did a good job of achieving that, like achieving that balance in 1997, but 98's just been just a complete cluster of a year. I'll defend them on a lot of their choices to give away matches. Cause I think that's been a big point of contention for a lot of people. Why did the company fail? Well, look at the matches. DDP matches. One of the biggest examples of something they shouldn't just quote unquote give away. But this company had a lot of money behind it. And a lot of people also point to, oh, it lost money or it wasn't profitable enough and that's why it closed as well. But that's also not really real when you talk to a lot of people or when you hear from a bunch of the people involved that they didn't really care about that. What they cared about was weekly ratings because that's what kept them on TV. And this is where the big ratings talk from modern wrestling comes from, even though it might not be relevant. So if they don't care what their pay-per-view buys are that much, obviously they care a bit, but they don't care that much if they pop then should you start to give away a bunch of these matches on TV? What they cared about was their advertising revenue, which comes from TV, and what they cared about was putting Vince out of business, which was winning the ratings wars for so many weeks in a row that people didn't care about Vince's characters anymore. And if that's your two goals, maybe they should have been giving away more stuff. It's so weird. If you're going to critique them, they're not treating that balance with better care. So yeah, yeah. they are owned by a TV company, and... Obviously, they've been focused on this for years because that's why the Clash of Champions was created because they they wanted to spike ratings by giving away pay-per-view matches on free TV. Mm. So just now that Clash is gone, they just need more creative ways to do it. And they just really haven't done that. It's just, eh, just, well, we're going to do it on Nitro. So I think that's just where it comes in that the circumstance, the the glory of it, I guess it's just, it's slightly diminished. Eh, It's random Nitro. It's at the Georgia Dome. So here it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. it, it, I, I agree with Connor in that it's that it's not the fact that they're giving away the matches. It's that there's never anything behind them. They're just like, That's oh, That's 100%. this person's wrestling tonight. And you're like, why isn't there any sort of build up to that? Like, you can give examples. reactionary, right? They're just putting people together that are inhabiting the same atmosphere. So, like, Luger will wrestle somebody who's on his level, and it could be a match that he's never done before on pay-per-view. And you're like, oh, this is cool. And you're like... Great, but there's no reason why they're wrestling. They just happen to be wrestling that week. Mm, and they're because yeah. there's no underlying thing behind it, like say AEW does, which is they have a, a ranking system, however nebulous it may be, there is actually something behind it that you can go, okay, so these guys are wrestling because they're number two and three in the rankings. 
it's not much of a reason, but it's enough that people are like, okay, that makes sense. Whereas you just have Sting wrestle DDP and they're like, why? Well, just because. Uh, because we're going to have a run-in that affects both those guys and their feud. But why are they wrestling? Yeah, don't worry about that. It's the feud that's going on. And you're like, okay, right. <laughs> the perfect example is Goldberg. They literally go, Hogan has to give, has to do a title shot every 30 days. And we don't think anybody's more deserving of the title shot than Goldberg. They've never interacted up until that point, but that's all you need for that match. And it it's fine. It works. It's such a simple match. Yeah. Like this is when Hogan finally, he does good business, which is very rare. Yeah, it does good clean business. I, I yeah, I think that's a really good breakdown, uh, and I didn't really think of it like that uh, for the other matches because I only know the matches. I I guess hopefully we'll get to see some of the buildups, but they they seem to be super reactionary, right? So even with this a little bit, but they've at least put a good story behind uh, behind it. They're not like this month we're going to build up to Goldberg Hogan and we're actually going to do it before the pay per view and we're going to do something different than the pay per view with all these basketball and football stars and stuff. Instead, they're like, oh, fuck. Oh, we're not winning the ratings again. Fuck. Uh, biggest match we've ever had. Stick it on the stick it on the Nitro. And I guess they get away with it here because Goldberg is so organically over that people are chomping at the bit to see this. The storyline has built itself where when you go to DDP Sting later, I think Gus is right. They just throw two guys together for the sake of some slight coherence and cohesion, and it's just not there. And to be fair, we probably wouldn't be talking about this if the next couple of months were booked differently. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. that's very true. If certain things on on paper sound nice. Okay, DDP is going to get a shot later against Goldberg. Sounds amazing. Uh, Goldberg or Hogan's not going to be in the main event picture, but it'll still be in like marquee matchups against like other big dream match stars. Sounds great to me, you know. And then you're going <laughs> to utilize your upper mid card guys to have other dream matches. Sting and Bret Hart check sounds great so like things sound nice you just have to execute it and not do your dumb turns yada yada, you know all all the typical wcw stuff so yep (laughs) it's gonna be a fun couple months it's kind of funny to watch because watching all the nitros and thunders now like you see all the mid-card stuff that they get to do because they obviously don't care about what they're doing so like chris gets to do whatever he wants really on a on a given show and so he has more of a plot and storyline than Sting does right now. And that doesn't make sense. Like, it should mm-hmm. it should be the other way around. They have it backwards in, in a lot of ways. And I don't know. Yep. So I'll ask, like I do at the end of uh, most episodes, guys, what side are you on? And uh, how did you like the show? Connor, you first. Whose side am I on? Should, should, we, should we frame it of... Other. Am I on WCW side for putting this on Nitro or on a pay-per-view? <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting. As a team of wrestlers, we're going to keep it in the wrestling kind of as a fan. If you were watching and still believe this was a little real, whose side are you on? I don't think you can be on, on any other side than Goldberg. They, they did such a good job of just building him up, making the whole story around him, the whole show around him. You feel like this is the future. And it feels like something new is happening in WCW. It's exciting. So Hogan had his title, super 400-day title reign, and he got the belt back because of fluky crap. And now now that stuff is over. Like, move move over. We got a bunch of new stars that we can can shine now. So there's genuine excitement here. And it kind of, you think like, oh, well, Mick Foley had that great moment at King of the Ring. But like, that was just like, eh. That was just because he jumped off the the cell. This felt monumental. 
He's the double champion. He feels like the biggest deal in wrestling. And you have to feel good about what's going on right now. How about you, Gus? How do you enjoy the show and what side are you on? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the better Nitro's that you can watch from this time period. It has some decent storyline work. It has pretty decent people on the show as well. Like you get to see some notable characters who will be much bigger later on down the line. And of course, the coronation of Goldberg. Obviously, you're on Goldberg's side, but if I'm not going to pick him, it's really tough. Like who's who's coming out of this? Like Hogan genuinely, I think, comes out of this in a decent way because he gets his break. He's shown he's willing to do something. He's probably angled himself to get the belt back in like three months. <laughs> I, yeah, you so, would probably say DDP or Hogan because they also did a good job of just building up their feud. Yeah, like they, they do their hard sell for the pay-per-view. So yeah, I mean, and Carl Malone has his picture-perfect diamond cutter. I mean, he's probably done it better than DDP ever did, uh, <laughs> which probably tells you a lot about how how simple that move is to pull Shout off. out to Hennig. I'm sure he had something to do with Hennig it. Hennig is great. I will say Hennig has done a lot of really good work over the last month. There's a fantastic promo with him and Rick Rude. I'll have to find you that one as well, Connor. Because they talk about trusting nobody, even themselves. And <laughs> then they both pause and they look at each other. <laughs> and then they both back away out of the arena while they're looking at each other. <laughs> WCW is in a decent spot. They did the right thing with Goldberg and they have lots of talent, but there's a lot of people spinning wheels and it's going to be very interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah, as, as for myself, enjoyed the second half of the show. I think the first half of the show was a genuine slog and you can really see where they start to contest with Raw and what they care about most. They, they pack the second half of the show a lot more than the front. I think I'm just Team WCW as a whole because I think for the first time with DDP and Goldberg, it feels like there is a WCW and not just random gaggle of guys running in circles. That's only a couple of people and everyone else is in the wolf pack, which was barely no, on the that, show. That's, that's actually well, <laughs> a really big distinction that we didn't really bring up that it finally DDP takes out the NWO members coming to the ring. Yeah. You know, yeah it's, it, it's something that sting didn't really have. It's just uh, the guys would celebrate him, but they wouldn't like help him out or protect him. Yeah. It's, it's a huge difference in step and it feels very different and it feels, uh, just way better like we've wished for the entire time so i'm actually wcw i think for once but yeah fine show stuff going on the right course uh happy in knowing that this they booked everything really well from this point and this is just a retrospect of a very successful company that lasted the whole (laughs) to be fair they would still be around if not for executives this is very true like that that is uh, as i said it's overblown to talk about them giving away matches, but it's also overblown to think that they destroyed everything, which we're finding out now. Like we watched the WWF show, and while there's higher moments and we liked it more, there is certainly absolute abject nonsense happening in both companies. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, poor Bart Gun. We should watch the brawl for all. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's us for another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle WCW vs. NWO Podcast. Where else can they find us, Connor? Patreon.com slash WCW vs. NWO Podcast. If you would like to support us for just $1, you can get access to our bonus podcast where we also have our Nitro flashbacks. Dave mentioned we did our 
Goldberg versus Regal match. That was fun. I think we did a Royal Rumble. That was right before the, the pandemic. So that, that was fun talking about wrestling. Or mm. was that during mm. the pandemic? I can't even remember. Uh. But <laughs> a lot of fun. We're going to be doing a lot more Nitro flashbacks. Check that out at patreon.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast. Also check out sportsobsessive.com. Been posting all the old episodes on there. And also I just finished my RVD and Jerry Lynn article. I thought that came out really well. So Ooh. check that out. From me, Connor and Gus, we'll see you next time where we'll be seeing who's not jumping out of the sky. <laughs>